welcome everyone to Understanding the I Am That Is You podcast. Hey everybody, it's your girl Wynn Ruffin, and I pray all is well with everyone tonight, and your hearts and minds are full of love, joy, and compassion for all your brothers and sisters in spirit. And no matter the negative circumstances, appearances, or even opinions of the outer world, always maintain your focus on your own inner world and be not discouraged. For within every man and woman is their mighty I Am Presence. And that presence is love and light. That presence is power. And as long as we believe in that mighty power within us, we never need to fear any of those aforementioned influences. Amen. Give thanks and praises for love and light, and y'all be loved. The word magic is out of fashion, though its spirit was never more widely diffused than at the present time. Thanks to the gradual debasement of the verbal currency, it suggests to the ordinary reader the production of optical illusions and other parlor tricks. It has dragged with it in its fall the terrific verb to conjure, which, forgetting that it once undertook to compel the spirits of men and angels, is now content to produce rabbits from top hats. These facts would have little importance, were it not that modern occultists, annoyed, one supposes, by this abuse of their ancient title, constantly arrogate to their tenets and practices the name of mystical science. Vaughn, in his rather supercilious survey of the mystics, class all forms of white magic, alchemy, and occult philosophy as theurgic mysticism, and, on the other side of the shield, the occultists display an increasing eagerness to claim the mystics as masters in their school. Even the threefold way of mysticism has been adopted by them and relabeled probation, enlightenment, initiation. In our search for the characteristics of mysticism we have already marked the boundary which separates it from magic, and tried to define the true nature and intention of occult philosophy. We saw that it represented the instinctive human desire to know more, applied to supersensible things. For good or ill this desire, and the occult sciences and magic arts which express it, have haunted humanity from the earliest times. No student of man can neglect their investigation, however distasteful to his intelligence their superficial absurdities may be. The starting point of all magic, and of all magical religion, the best and purest of occult activities, is, as in mysticism, man's inextinguishable conviction that there are other planes of being than those which his senses report to him and its proceedings represent the intellectual and individualistic results of this conviction, his craving for the hidden knowledge. It is, in the eyes of those who really practice it, a meyond de parvenir, not the performance of illicit tricks, but a serious attempt to solve the riddle of the world. Its result, according to a modern writer upon occult philosophy, comprises an actual, positive, and realizable knowledge concerning the worlds which we denominate invisible, because they transcend the imperfect and rudimentary faculties of a partially developed humanity, and concerning the latent potentialities which constitute, 
by the fact of their latency, the interior man. In more strictly philosophical language, the hermetic science is a method of transcending the phenomenal world, and attaining to the reality which is behind phenomena. Magic in its uncorrupted form, claims to be a practical, intellectual, highly individualistic science, working towards the declared end of enlarging the sphere on which the human will can work, and obtaining experimental knowledge of planes of being, usually regarded as transcendental. It is the last descendant of a long line of teaching, the whole teaching, in fact, of the mysteries of Egypt and Greece, which offered to initiate man into a certain secret knowledge and understanding of things. In every man, says a modern occultist, there are latent faculties by means of which he can acquire for himself knowledge of the higher worlds. As long as the human race has existed there have always been schools in which those who possessed these higher faculties gave instruction to those who were in search of them. Such are called the occult schools, and the instruction which is imparted therein, is called esoteric science, or the occult teaching. Mysticism, by Evelyn Underhill, 1911 Isis Unveiled, Volume 2, Chapter 2 It is a well-attested fact that Pope Sylvester II was publicly accused by Cardinal Benno with being a sorcerer and an enchanter. The brazen oracular head made by His Holiness was of the same kind as the one fabricated by Albertus Magnus. The latter was smashed to pieces by Thomas Aquinas, not because it was the work of or inhabited by a demon, but because the spook who was fixed inside, by mesmeric power, talked incessantly, and his verbiage prevented the eloquent saint from working out his mathematical problems. These heads and other talking statues, trophies of the magical skill of monks and bishops, were facsimiles of the animated gods of the ancient temples. The accusation against the Pope was proved at the time. It was also demonstrated that he was constantly attended by demons or spirits. In the preceding chapter we have mentioned Benedict IX, John Twentieth, and the Six and Seven Gregory, who were all known as magicians. The latter pope, moreover, was the famous Hildebrand, who was said to have been so expert at shaking lightning out of his sleeve, an expression which makes the venerable spiritualistic writer, Mr. Howitt, think that it was the origin of the celebrated thunder of the Vatican. The magical achievements of the Bishop of Ratisbon and those of the angelic doctor, Thomas Aquinas, are too well known to need repetition, but we may explain farther how the illusions of the former were produced. If the Catholic bishop was so clever in making people believe on a bitter winter night that they were enjoying the delights of a splendid summer day, and cause the icicles hanging from the boughs of the trees in the garden to seem like so many tropical fruits, the Hindu magicians also practice such biological powers unto this very day and claim the assistance of neither god nor devil. Such miracles are all produced by the same human power that is inherent in every man, if he only knew how to develop it. H.P. Blavatsky About the time of the Reformation, the study of alchemy and magic had become so prevalent among the clergy as to produce great scandal. Cardinal Woolsey was openly accused before the court and the Privy Council of Confederacy with a man named Wood, a sorcerer, who said that my lord Cardinali had suka arunga that whatsomevera he eschewed of the king's grace that he had it, adding that, Master Cromwell, when he, was servant in my lord Cardinali's house, read many books and specially the bokeh of Shalomon, and studied metals and what virtues they had after the canon of Shalomon. This case, 
with several others equally curious, is to be found among the Cromwell papers and the record office of the Rolls House. A priest named William Stapleton was arrested as a conjurer, during the reign of Henry VIII, and an account of his adventures is still preserved in the Rolls House records. The Sicilian priest whom Benvenuto Cellini calls a necromancer became famous through his successful conjurations, and was never molested. The remarkable adventure of Cellini with him in the Colosseum, where the priest conjured up a whole host of devils, is well known to the reading public. The subsequent meeting of Cellini with his mistress, as predicted and brought about by the conjurer, at the precise time fixed by him, is to be considered, as a matter of course, a curious coincidence. In the latter part of the 16th century there was hardly a parish to be found in which the priest did not study magic and alchemy. The practice of exorcism to cast out devils in imitation of Christ, who by the way never used exorcism at all, led the clergy to devote themselves openly to sacred magic in contradistinction to black art, of which latter crime, were accused all those who were neither priests nor monks. H. P. Blavatsky The I Am Discourses, Volume 15 I would deeply appreciate your calling forth the master power of the violet-consuming flame which the cosmic angels of its presence concentrate into physical conditions to hold greater control over disturbing elements. This is just as if you wielded a searchlight, and you sent it anywhere that you wanted to observe things that you wanted to use. As you call forth the cosmic angels of the violet flame master power into any physical condition to produce the violet consuming flame's perfection there, demand that it be established as an eternal manifestation in and around yourselves, or in conditions with which you are concerned. Whatever you call forth, call forth the eternal manifestations of the violet consuming flame's master power to control the physical manifested universe. This, if you already had a momentum of this around you, would control the storm, would control the waves, would control the wind, and would control many physical conditions around you in which you move every day, and do not realize how much they impose their discord upon you. This has many almost infinite blessings that are the most practical thing you can ever use of life's powers, the most practical powers of life that you can use to control physical conditions in which you move and must live. You have the sinister force mass accumulation of discord trying to rule this, that, and the other thing, and trying to bring forth more and more destruction, directed by human beings. We want to train you to direct the master power and the master powers of the angels of the violet consuming flames almighty miracle manifestations into the world around you, to fill your world with that which the outer world cannot give you. Applause. Thank you so much. Won't you be seated, please? Now, if you care to demand that everything in your being and world be filled with now, the miracle manifestations of the violet consuming flames master power that hold in and around you, the gifts and the activities and the blessings of the violet flame angels, some of those are ascended beings, some are not, but if you will demand that your world be peopled with those beings of the violet consuming flame who are the master control of manifestation in this world, wherever they go, they will control the manifestation in which you move. They are masters of it by the sacred fire. Now I'm not intruding into the mighty Saint Germain's domain by any means, but we all are in the realm of the violet consuming flame, and we all direct it because of its miracle cosmic action, to control manifestation. Beloved Archangel Michael
If you will demand that your world manifest as a violet flaming sun presence of the master control, the ascended master's sacred fire control of manifestation, my dear ones, you have no idea, if you will call this into action, call the angels of the violet flame to be the master control around your automobiles, around everybody and everything you contact, around everything in which you must move, you will find the sinister force cannot connect with you or produce the conditions that either become your problems, or sometimes your destruction. And there is nothing you need more right now than the continual, ever-expanding protection of the sacred fire, of which the violet consuming flame is one activity. If I were you, moving as you have to in the outer world among discordant conditions that are produced by other individuals, you do not necessarily need to contact those conditions if your own world is insulated in the master presence of the violet consuming flame's invincible control of manifestation by the violet flame angel's sacred fire love. If I were you, I would charge every automobile that you have, every means of conveyance, if you're on an airplane, if you're in a train, if you're moving in automobiles or buses anywhere, anything that you're doing in motion in the physical world, get in the habit of demanding the violet flame angel's master power and master presence of eternal control of that manifestation. Then that can never affect you discordantly. But if you do not sustain it, call for it as eternal control, you might control it one day, and if your attention is off of it, and you're not keeping the attention on the presence or the violet flame, the next day, if you're unaware of this enfolding violet flame master power, or you become irritated, you can again connect with destructive forces. But if you make this a habit of feeling and seeing, moving within, and using the master power of the violet consuming flames control of all manifestation, your very awareness of that and your love to the angels of the violet flame, can be for you an invincible protection until you stand ascended and free. That can be your world of experience, it can be your world's control of other manifestations in this world. It can be your world's control of things that affect you. Beloved Archangel Michael, 